Howdy, everybody. Welcome to the Wankatorium. I'm back from Nashville. Excited. Had a great time out there and got a whole lot of great interviews for everybody. Actually, they were more like conversations because I seem to have talked too much, as I always do. Anyways, bringing something really special to you. Today, we have got Tommy Emmanuel, which uh, he graciously sat down for a breakfast with me and this is what we talked about so enjoy this we've got lots of other great guests coming i just want to say i want to thank all the people of nashville who were so gracious to me and hung out and took me around and i really played with a lot of great players had a wonderful gig and i plan to go back and please support all these artists. As you know, you can support Guitar Wank. We have uh, various sponsors whose merch deserves to be played on. And we have a Patreon page, which your support would enable us to maybe even try to do more of these kinds of things. But that's up to you. More importantly, I just want to say thank you to Tommy Emanuel for being so gracious and generous with his time. And uh, I have managed even though I was there playing, to still be the last guitar player who hasn't played with him.
Anyways, welcome to Guitar Wink. Uh, this is an early morning session. I don't know how we managed to do this, but this is like, uh, we're at like 7 o'clock in California time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here with Tommy Emanuel. All right, and, and we're uh, here in Nashville. We're here in Nashville. Yeah. And at the CAS, Chet Atkins Appreciation and, Society. And, and as you can hear, it's near the airport. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I think that's my flight. I guess I you, missed it. You, you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, where we're sitting right now, has a lot of memories for me here because I first started coming to the Chet Atkins Convention. Uh, 1996 was my first year. And... Um, it was like uh, the the gates of heaven opened, and there was a big party going. You know what I mean? Sure. And uh, my brother Phil and I, uh, we just played from when we opened our eyes to when we had to lay down. You know what I mean? Which was usually four or five o'clock in the morning, and it, it was we would play like six times on different stages during the day. And then we would jam all night with, with people. And it was it was like no one slept. It, it was, we, we were all obsessed, you know? And uh, so this this area here where we are, where we're sitting outdoors, um, this was alive with people playing and people sitting around uh, recording, filming, uh, you know, taking it all in. And it was just that we just wanted to see how far we could push ourselves, you know. It was great fun. Yeah, wow. Well, it was great fun last night. I was, mm. I got roped into a bunch of great stuff. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Yeah. So, well, congratulations. I heard last night in your show that you're a citizen now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work to do that, I know. It is. It's not as easy as people think it is. It's it's difficult, and, mm -hmm. and rightly so, you know. You, you've got to really want to be here and support this country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what, what I've always said about America is that, well, first of all, America is not the government. America is the people. Right. And this is the America I love. Yeah. And... And uh, this country has nourished me since I was a kid, you know, since I first heard Jimmy Rogers and Hank Williams and Hank Snow and, and uh, Marty Robbins and Jim Reeves and Chet Atkins and Mel Travis and, you know, and then Mel Haggard and Buck Owens. And that music is what still uh, lights a fire under me, you know, and then that's the country kind of thing. Then there's the blues, then there's jazz, you know, there's, there's ragtime. I mean, the, the richness of the music that came from this country and the culture as well, you know. When I was a kid in Australia, anything that was American was by far better than anything else from anywhere in the world, you know. <laughs> Um, and um, I remember the first movie I saw was um, Giant oh, Rock wow. Hudson yeah. and Elizabeth Taylor and yeah, James Dean yeah. yeah my father used to um, he had a, a Bell and Howell projector a movie projector and he used to rent films 
uh, and they would come up on the train from Sydney to where, where we lived in a little town called Gunnedah. And it was my mother's birthday and he rented Giant and, and we watched it in our backyard with a sheet up on the, on the wall. You mentioned that? That's you so know? great. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I just remember all that stuff. And then in 1971, uh, I was on tour with a, a country, uh, like a traveling country show. And uh, I bought a Pontiac Parisian. You remember those? Sure. What a great car. It was the best car I've ever owned. And, and I drove it until it finally wore out, you know. Uh -huh. But the feeling of driving that car was like being here, mm -hmm. you know. It was a bit of a was it was it left hand or right hand drive? It had been Cooper. it had been made right over there. Right, uh, yeah. right hand drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, it was it was really great. Then when I first came here, uh, it was 1980, and I kind of made a pilgrimage. You know, I went to L.A. I saw Elton John at the Hollywood Bowl, uh -huh. and uh, that was when he used to dress like Mozart and have a big wig on and everything. It was unbelievable. What a, <laughs> what a show. And then I came here to Nashville and I met Chet and I met Lenny Bro, uh, Tom T. Hall, and um, I went to a few shows. I remember at the Music City News Awards, Ricky Skaggs came on, and in one song, he played acoustic guitar, electric guitar, mandolin, and fiddle in one song. He swapped, kept swapping yeah. instruments, and he was equally as good on all of those instruments. And then, in, and of course, he sang, yeah. and he's, that voice of his was unbelievable. I'll just never forget that, you know, <laughs> coming from Australia, and you know, all of a sudden I'm here. It was, it was electrifying. I mean, it just changed my life, but. The best part of the whole visit here to America was in New York City. I, I was staying at a hotel, and New York was a very different town in those days. It was pretty dangerous. Hotels were like, you know, you you had to go through security, and uh, and uh, you could. You talking about 1980? Yeah, I lived there in 79, yeah. 78. It, it was, was rough. It was. They were just starting to clean it up. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, I'm reading the, the New York Times, uh, the entertainment section, and I see in small print, Buddy Rich Big Band, um, at, um, a place down in the village, um, warm-up concerts before Carnegie Hall season, right? right. And uh, I said, oh my God, I've got to see Buddy Rich. So I, I, I took a cab and went, went down there, and I lined up, and there were three shows that day. There was like a three o'clock, five o'clock, seven o'clock, you know. And I got tickets for all three shows. And I went and I saw three shows in a row. <laughs> and I had never witnessed musicianship at that level yeah. before, you know. And it was a revelation to me, and I, I watched and I listened with, with all my concentration to try to remember everything on, on, that I saw and heard, you know what I mean? And it was just, it was, a, it was unbelievable what that guy did. 
and how he not only drove the band, but how he knew the intricacies of every arrangement. He'd memorized everything. And it was so beautiful, you know. When he played the brushes and all that, the dynamics and the beauty of it, you know, I just, I thought, that's what, that's what to aim for. To try to get as good as that, right. and you'll know that you're on the highest level, you yeah. know. Yeah. And between shows, between the second and third show, I, I went around the back of the building and his old bus was parked there and I knocked on the door and the door opened and this t typical New Yorker, you know, yeah kid, yeah. like that. I said, I'm a big buddy fan. I'm from Australia. Yeah. And he goes, ah, hey buddy, there's a kid from down under here. Yeah. And he says, show him in. I went on the bus and, and buddy signed some a pair of sticks and gave me his sticks and he was so nice. And it was just the greatest day of my life. Oh, that's know? great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But yeah. it was a real inspiration oh, to all man. of us. Yeah. It was, it was so eye-opening to me. And it, 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 it's like he opened, he took the top off, off, off my head and just said, go, go up there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you see someone doing something that good, it, it was, it's so so clever and, and, and so beautiful, yet with such ease, you know. It's really great. Like the, the, uh, the other night I saw Paul McCartney and it was the same thing. He just didn't look like he was doing anything, but there was such incredible music coming out of it. You know what I mean? It was just m minimum effort, maximum effect. Yeah. And, and uh, while all all the while, while just having the best night of his life, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and that that's what I try. Well, you to do, you achieved you know? that, Tommy. I, I, I you know I'm a big fan, and uh, I again heard it last night. You know, <laughs> you and what I mean, what I really appreciate about you know, of course, everybody knows you as the amazing solo player that you are, but just your ability to when you join with Jim Nichols, oh, you yeah. know, and the way you make everything better and can just put the right thing in and not, you know, just have to yeah. do your thing. That, yeah. That, you know you know how it is when you get good at something, or particularly known for something, people kind of just automatically assume that that's what you're going to do all yeah. the time. And it's, no. it's music is so varied. You, we're here to serve the music. Exactly. You and, you and I, right. we're here to serve the music properly, right. yeah. you know, and, and serve the people as well. Mm -hmm. you know? And um, the, if, if you don't get that, then it's time you did. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know it right away, you know. You can, yeah. Yeah. You can maybe fool some of the audience, but you, you, know, you know it. Yeah. I think, you know, when you're younger, like, when I was first starting out here in America in the, in the 80s, I mean, I used to play full out for two hours and hose the crap out of people. And it worked, you know what I mean? Sure. But I don't have to do that anymore. I can, I can do whatever I like, but um, it's still an adventure, but it's a different kind of adventure, you know? When you're younger and you're, you're trying to build an audience and get known and, and grow your, your career and all that, you'll, you'll always play way too much, you know? 
But yeah, and it's fun too. Oh, absolutely! It's, and people it's love like, seeing it's that. It's like riding a, a dolphin or something. I don't know. Exactly, it's, it's riding flying. a dolphin. That's a great. It's you uh, know you metaphor. hold on and you just yeah. go. And I mean, and then I, I feel the same way. You know, after, at a certain point, you just realize you can do it. Mm. Now it's like, what are you going to do? With what are you going to do? Exactly. Yeah. Well, what what we're supposed to do, I think, is you know. How how can we, with whatever we're lucky enough to have and we have worked for, there's a bit of both there, isn't there? There's like a, there's a gift, but there's the, the gift doesn't happen without all the work. Yeah. And and if if you're full out on all, all the work and and dedication, then the gift is going to keep growing somehow. But you're not going to get that without that, you know. And and uh, um, you know, it's like, how can I use what I have to make everyone else's life better, you know? Mm-hmm. And and like Jim Carrey says, free people from concern. So when we play, people aren't thinking about their problems. They're not thinking of anything. They're caught up in what we're doing and that's our job, to take them out of their ordinary life and their, their uh, pattern of thinking about how bad shit is going, you know? And, and free them from all that concern. You know, I have people who come to not tens but hundreds of my shows because they've they've lost a child or they've they they've they've lost a partner to cancer or something like that. And the only time they're not thinking about it is when they come to my show or they, you know what I mean. And that's all. That's how you serve humanity with what you whatever you have. And that's my total motivation for being here on this planet. Well, you know, I, I've just got to say, you know, I mean, without gushing, and the people who listen to this podcast know I'm not a gusher anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I mean, not what I heard. But I, anyway. I, uh, you know, I'm just so, you know, what the things that I, you know, of course, you're playing is, is a huge, you know, the thing that I respect. But... Your ability to understand how to connect with an audience and, and also be real and be an entertainer and be yourself and, and, and make people feel. I mean, that's really the responsibility of ours to make people think, laugh, yeah. and feel. Exactly. And yeah. you, uh, you know, you make the, all us guitar players happy because of your, you know, guitar playing a lot. Right. But, you know, there's the humans on earth that are also yeah. so touched by what you do. Well, thanks. Well, and it's it, inspiring, and uh, being a guy who kind of always played in bands, and now kind yeah. of embarking on a solo yeah. career, Joe Pass told me it would happen to me. I was just a late bloomer. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just really inspiring and reaffirming to see what you're doing. Oh, thanks. It really is. Joe's. Yeah. He was uh, a phenomenon as well, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, in 1978, I think it was, the Sydney Guitar Society, in all, in all their wisdom, um, insisted that I be a part of their big international guitar festival. And they had John Williams uh-huh. and they had Joe Pass. Right? So they were the kind of headlining guys in, in the late 70s. And of course... Both of those guys were on a level that I was nowhere, and you know, in the seventies I was, I was trying everything. I was trying to learn, and I was a kid from the bush, you know, ignorant, uh, and all that. I knew about country music, 
but I knew nothing about anything outside of that. And so um, they wanted me to do a master class with Joe Pass. And I was like, I'm not going to, are you kidding me? You know? And they, and they really insisted that I do that, you know? And, and they were really pushing me because I was the local boy kind mm -hmm. of thing, you know what I mean? So they already had the, the big names, right? Yeah. So they were pushing me on and trying to uh, make me the, lo you know, the local hero. And it was embarrassing to me. And um, I felt totally trapped. Anyway, so we, we turn up for the uh, master class at uh, the conservatorium and it's packed with jazz aficionados. And I, I come in the dressing room and Joe's sitting there and he doesn't know me from Adam and I'm such a green kid, you know, I know nothing. And, and Joe says, uh, oh, what are we going to do? Like that, I said, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna listen to you and follow you. <laughs> he says, Oh hell no, you're gonna play, you're gonna do this, and blah blah blah. And he starts lecturing. Oh wow! And I think I think he he knew straight away that I knew nothing. So they introduce us out, and we come out to absolute thunderous applause and everything. We sit down, and Joe. Joe starts talking and he says, so, um, do you know Watch What Happens? And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, play it for, the, for us, you know. And so, I know it a little bit, you yeah. know, but I start playing it and about halfway through he goes, stop. And why did you play that chord? And I said, because I like the sound of it. And he goes, that's not a good enough reason. You know, that's the wrong chord. And, yeah. and then he proceeded to dismantle me yeah. on stage. Oh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, yeah. I mean, was, we don't forget things like that. No, really. it was a great lesson. But then when he played it, it was like I was, I was sitting beside this abyss. It was so deep that I dare not go to the edge because uh, it was so deep what he was playing, you know. And... Uh, yeah, it was a great, great day, uh, day. And when we came off stage, uh, we went back in the dressing room and he put his guitar away and then he just turned to me and he said, you've got to get to work. You've got to learn, blah, blah, blah. What are you doing? He was like mad at me because I, I knew nothing, you know? And then he just walked out, you know? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, you could be harsh, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you're as good as him, it's yeah. like yeah. You, you look at other people. I, I think and say, "What the hell are you doing? Don't you know right. this?" You know, it's, yeah. it's like the absolute opposite to Chet Atkins. You know, when I met Chet uh, and, and we first played together, he never once said, "You know, oh, there's a better way of doing it." Blah blah. He would always say, "You know, have you ever thought about trying?" Blah blah blah. And he was like that about everything. Uh, he was the country gentleman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, he always made me feel totally worthy, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it, he was such a beautiful person to be around. Yeah. He really was. I wish I'd gotten to know him. Mm. Well, 
if you listen to his music, you do know him. Oh, then I think yeah. I'm very, yeah. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how was your trip to Australia? I loved it. I did, it was one of those, just the tour was so great. The people, was, I don't need to tell you, are so nice, so right. welcoming, and the community of people who actually listen to this podcast, it was amazing. They all came right? out. And uh, the guitar players were such a great community. Yeah, I do this show called the Red Guitar, and, and, yeah. and some guys in Melbourne just got a bar, and like every guitar player in town came. Yeah, um, and, wonderful. And I did this show for them, and uh, I played with a wonderful singer who says to say hello. Her name, her name now is Danielle D'Andrea, but she was known as Danielle Gaha. Gaha, wow, what a and singer so, she is! Yeah, and we yeah. did a duo tour. Yeah, I knew her dad very well, uh-huh. Sammy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so um, we were, and on the days off with her, I played with a really great jazz rhythm section in Sydney and did one thing with a guy named Andrew Spate, who was a saxophone player. We played the quartet, and then I played trio. Oh, great. And, you know, it was one of those tours where you're just doing something different every night. Yeah. yeah. And then we played uh, with Danielle once as a quartet. Most of it was duo. We have like a duo project that we're doing. Oh, fantastic. Now. And besides my red guitar show, so and, and of course I just got to say Tony Calabro. Yeah, I mean when back in the early internet stages, I had a forum. I kind of embedded it like a, a forum where guitar players could talk. You know, it kind oh, of like okay. an online master class. Yeah, question yeah. and answer thing. And Tony was like the first guy. That's I had met him with Ike Isaacs in Sydney when I'd been on tour there. What a great man, yeah. Ike Isaacs was. Back in like the late '80s or '90s. And then the internet comes along, and all of a sudden, Tony and I become friends. And I find out, you know, this guy, he's just, he's a hero. Yeah. I mean, there are yeah. so many people who are doing, who just love the music because yeah. of him, and know yeah. more about it. And, yeah. you know, and of course, he, he loves you dearly. Yeah, and no, I love him. And, and he took care of me. Yeah, I He did. put on a show for me down in Tralaga? Yeah. Tr- tr- I forget. Tralaga. Tralaga. Yeah, and in uh, Victoria. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was just a really amazing experience. Good. The love and just yeah, it's what a family and it's exactly. just, it was so I, I just loved it. I just want I can't wait to go back. Yeah, great. I really can't wait to go, go back. back. Yeah. yeah, well, you know when you get amongst a community of people who are united in their love for guitar, jazz guitar, classical guitar, yeah. whatever. You know, it, that's the that's the conduit, isn't it? You know, that that's the the touchstone of the. This is what brings people together. You know, I used to I used to have a cap that I would sell in my merchandise, and it, it was just a message, and it said, "Music brings people together," and that's that's what you're talking about here. Yeah. And it's because Tony does it truly for the love of it and for the love of people. Mm-hmm. He puts people above everything else. You know. And then he knows that knowledge is going to enrich your life and going to make you happy, you know. And that's that's a great thing, you know. He is. He's just a hero. Yeah. I mean, in my exactly. estimation, I just uh, yeah. I so admire him. Yeah, exactly. So many times, I think you know, uh, doctors and and counselors and ambulance people and firemen—they're the real heroes. You yeah, know? they're the guys who 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 save save lives you know but what we do we we don't need to play it down we need to actually promote it and and 
and uh, do it for all the right reasons because it's just as important that freedom from concern thing. Yes. It's, and, and the way that um, knowledge and uh, uh, experience can be handed on is just as important in, you know, in a young person's life. You know, I know it was in mine. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about those times, like I say, you know, with Joe Pass and with Barney Kessel. And, yeah, you know, oh, man. I mean, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. I wouldn't be the same person. Or, you know, the friend who turned me on to Charlie Parker. Yeah. You know, what would have happened had that exactly. one day I'd have just been somewhere else? Exactly. I can still remember the day that a, a guitar player named Steve Murphy gave me a Wes Montgomery record. And it was like, I couldn't sleep for a week, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Wow, what is this? And I, I, it was the first time that I heard jazz music that absolutely lit a fire in me and, and made me realize, ah, oh, it's the space that's the beautiful thing here. And what he's saying, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, up until then, I thought jazz was guys playing a lot of notes over the chords and that's, that was it. You know, because I was so ignorant. And well, and, and, and to be honest with you, there are a lot of people that play it that way. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, you yeah. know, I'm, being a person who <laughs> yeah. accompanies a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and I, um, I can still remember I was 15 when I first heard Django, because everybody was talking about Django. And I'm like, what's it? And I, I didn't understand it. I, it sounded like circus music to me. You know what I mean? And I thought this is really strange and it sounded weird right but then 20 years later I'm, I go back to Django and I go holy shit this is incredible you know and, and I realised what I that I knew nothing when I was young you know what I mean <clears throat> and I it, it I mean I'm 64 now and I feel like things are just starting you know what I mean I'm starting to understand how all this shit works Finally, you know. <laughs> yeah. So did Paul play when I'm 64 for you? Uh, no, he didn't the other night. Oh, too bad. <laughs> but a lot of people uh, on my 64th birthday, which is May 31, uh, he uh, a lot of people emailed me saying, you know, uh, we, we we'll still need you, we'll still feed you. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Well, I'm crawling right real close behind you. Yeah. No. I'm right up on you here. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But it's really true. You know, your ears just have to grow. That's exactly I right. I mean, I remember, I, I mean, Charlie Parker, it all changed for me with that record. I remember, I remember that boy, I get goosebumps when I think about yeah. it. Yeah. And yet, when they played John Coltrane for me, I, you know, it sounded like almost... The nothing. I mean, it was a lot of stuff, but yeah. it didn't, I didn't hear the organization. I didn't hear the point. And, it, and well, kind of embarrassed to say that, you know, yeah. just realizing how much it has well, influenced me once I finally heard it. Yeah, it's it's funny about that, you know, about how, you know, some people, it, it's like the you know looking at the Mona Lisa, listening to John Coltrane. Then when I heard John Coltrane, I went, yeah, it's a guy blowing on a saxophone, yeah, and it doesn't mean a damn thing to me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But then years later you go back, you know, and you realize, oh my God, what yeah. was he doing there? You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. There, there's a thing that surfaced on the internet just recently, and it was Charlie Parker with Buddy Rich, and it was like, 
so fast you can't believe it. Right, was it the, and, the and Charlie's playing all these li right. those lines here yeah. that he used to. Yeah. Bebop. He invented yeah. Bebop right. really, didn't he? You yeah. Know? And then when you hear Django's last lot of stuff that he recorded in nineteen fifty three or whenever it was, he's playing Bebop. Right. Oh he was and very he much was enthralled with that. Yeah. Deep as hell, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some of the best bebop I heard was Lenny Bro. We went here in, in 1980, mm -hmm. just up the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he played two sets at this place. Um, it was like the Bluebird, that, that, yeah. that style of place. And there was a band, it was a trio, and there was another guitar player who played a bit like Barney Castle, um, uh, just without Barney's swing. Yeah. And uh, but when Lenny got up and played, it was it was depth, right? Like I was talking about with Buddy Rich, yeah. it was that kind of depth. Yeah. You know, you could you could dive into it and get lost. Yeah. Know? It yeah. was so beautiful. Yeah, I love that music. That's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, there's still so much stuff going on now. I mean, there are. You must know a lot more players than than me. You know what I mean? In what way? Well, jazz players. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's yeah. the world I kind of yeah. circulate in. But it's so interesting about jazz because jazz was dance music. Yeah. You know? It was music to get people on their feet uh -huh. in, in the 30s and 40s. Right. You know? and, and Chet was always crazy about jazz players. I think that's why he, you know, he told me the first person to really intimidating was George Barnes. Oh yeah, well. yeah. And he said he admired him so much. And and then Hank Garland came along and it was the same thing. It was like he said, Oh that those guys, you know, really put me on edge. <laughs> yeah. Because they were so good. Yeah. But if you listen to stuff that Hank Garland did like Elvis Presley's little sister, you know, he knew exactly what to play. And, and didn't play anything that wasn't exactly right for the music. Right. And there it is. Serving the music. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just come full circle. Yeah, we did. Well, that's, <laughs> it's good when it works that way. Yeah. Like a nice story you tell with your instrument. Mm. You know, that storytelling is so, you know, that's so integral. And that that's one of my little pet peeves oftentimes as jazz has evolved, how it becomes so technical and so theoretical mm. and conceptual mm -hmm. that the storytelling aspects seem to have been not taken away but prioritized in a lower amount than, than I personally to me that's what the music is about is telling a story yeah so so that's that, and that's the danger of falling in love with the details detail exactly when guys always come up to me and say now when you played blah 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 was that the were you were you thinking in a pentatonic yeah. or were you mixolydian I said I never think about stuff like that it's like what comes into my head comes out my hands right that's it yeah you know? it's like really it's, yeah yeah yeah, this, yeah the scales they're great for practice <laughs> But I wouldn't want anybody to catch me doing it in public, you know? <laughs> yeah. We, and, uh, Larry Carlton wrote a, a beautiful phrase on, on a guy's guitar, you know, and it said, practice what you must, but play what you love. Yeah. And I thought, God, that's, that's deep, you know? Yeah. 
you got to talk to Larry about his Joe Pastore. Yeah, I've got a few of them myself. <laughs> really, really fun. He used to make me. I used to go hang out with him when he was in San Francisco. That's where I'm from. He played the Fairmont Hotel for weeks, you know, like with Ella or with Joe Pat, with uh, Oscar, and oftentimes solo. Mm. And I would just go hang out with him all day long, and during the day. Wow. Besides seeing him at night, mm -hmm. and every time, of course, did the same thing that he did to you. You know, and would get in the room. The first thing he says, he would be in his bathroom still. He had a cigar. He'd say, "Play something for me." He'd get back in his bed, and I'd have to like sitting right like <laughs> you were next to me, and I'd have to play for Joe for half hour. Then you do the same thing. You like that? I don't know why. You know, so, yeah. and, and and after about three or four days in a row of this. He opens the door again, I go to see him, and he's in his bathrobe with the cigar, you know, <laughs> you know that look on his face, you know. And uh, <clears throat> I ran past him in the room and kicked off my shoes and jumped in the bed and I said, play something for me. <laughs> <laughs> and he just stood there kind of like, and then he kind of realized, you know, what I'd yeah. gone through, you know, and he, yeah. just, he just laughed and he says, I get out of that thing, let's go get something to eat. You know? Name right, you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, geez, I, I uh, yeah, I, I remember um, at uh, Ronnie Scott's, he, he came out there, <laughs> came in you know, to play, and there were signs everywhere on the tables and on the bar and on the walls, you know. Silence while Joe is playing. Uh -huh. right. So, so we're we're all as soon as he he came out, you know, everybody applauded and everything, and then it was like total hush, yeah. you know. It, he sits down and he takes his guitar and he turns up and he starts to play, and it's so quiet. We all sort of went lean forward, <laughs> and he played, and he played like one song, then another one, then another one, and then he grabbed the microphone after the third song and he goes, the first song I played was, and there's a long pause and he goes, oh, it's a, uh, and then he said what the song was and the second, and the second song was blah, 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 and the third song. I could get a hello from you yesterday. We're recording, hang on. <laughs> I'll be right with you. And, and um, uh, yeah, and the third song is blah 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 and then he puts a mic away and he goes to play and he grabs a mic and he said I'll be talking to you from time to time <laughs> yeah <coughs> yeah he, he, me, he told me in a lesson probably about the same time you knew him it was the late 70s you know maybe a little bit before that like 76 I was hanging out with and uh, we're playing he looked at me and says, you know, I was just like you when I was a kid, all those fast bebop licks and comping for chord solo, you know, mm. playing in bands. Mm. I wasn't always a solo guy, you know, and I'm like, what? You know, because yeah. you know, at, at that point, he'd really, yeah. you know, he'd, he'd changed the world yeah. that, with, that, with that virtuoso record. I mean, oh, yeah. he, yes, Johnny Smith and George Barnes had done all those great records, you yeah. know, George Van Epps, you yeah. know. But they were all kind of arrangements. It was more like, you know, in a way it was jazz, but it was classical, you know, in a certain yeah. way. And Joe just got up and played, and it was like Art Tatum or something. Exactly. I mean, he just like sat down and played tunes and pulled everything out. And exactly, it just, yeah. It's like stream of consciousness, brilliance. You yeah. could be a big man, you could be as small as a, yeah. a knack, you know, and it just yeah. like dynamic. And, 
that, when he played the nylon string with Ella, right? Yeah. That's when you heard, you know, the depth of where he was coming from. That's what I think, yeah. you know. And my opinion, of course, means nothing. But, but. Um, <laughs> well, maybe to you, it means a lot to me. <laughs> but that's when I really connected with with with, with Joe as, as the listener. Oh, okay, because he never strayed from that. This is this is the song. This is the blues. Right. You know what I mean? And there it is. Right. And it was just like written in stone almost. Uh, you know? Yeah. And, and he told me that. He said, he said you know, it, it just is like how his solo thing sort of happened to him. Right. It, it was not his conscious decision. No, it just You know, Norman Grant's just sort of had him on the road with everybody and just threw him out. You know, you start the show. Go out and play 15 minutes. And, like, everybody loved it. And next thing you know, it's like 30 minutes. And the next thing you know, you know he's going out by himself. Yeah. The, and, you know, and that's just kind of what it became. And he even complained about it a lot. You know, he wanted to play more groups at times. And yeah. He liked to complain about things. Anyway, yeah, exactly. So, so um, and, he, yeah, he just... He just Said, yeah, I was just like you when I was a kid. He said, you know, and it's going to happen to you. He just, it's, it's all he said, you know. Yeah. And then, so now that I'm doing this thing, like the difference between it is like he, he with my show, I talk while I play. Wow. He talks in between, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like every time I get up now, I go, oh, Joe, because I even told him he was full of shit. It was never going to happen. I said, I'm a band guy. Right. That's yeah. who I am. But now, you see, see, this is the good thing. Yeah. Solo guitar, can, you can, it'll take you all over the world. Yeah. Um, and you won't have to pay 10 people. Yeah. You know right, what I mean? Right. This is, the, this is a wonderful Especially thing. now, I mean, the, the economics of touring has sure oh. changed in our lifetime. It sure has, yeah. Because, yeah, being well, a band I'm, leader all my life, and mm-hmm. now realizing just the logistics of it, travel. Out. Yeah. Before I mean, you even pay the guys. Well, you know, in the early days, I used to do everything and carry all my gear and do my own sound from on stage and all that, you know. Nowadays, I have a tour manager who's also my sound man, and he is phenomenal. Great. And I have a, a lighting director who does other things as well. So these guys, I employ full-time. They don't do anything else but work, work for me. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And it's the moment I was making enough money, I said, okay, I've got to have my own sound man. Right. Uh, it's got to sound great every time I walk on stage. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the way it goes, you know. The moment you can afford that, that's what you've got to have. Yeah. And um, I always, I, I often run into the sound men, you know, their credo is, we're not happy till you're not happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mr. Sound, yeah, right. yeah. turn up the sound. Yeah, exactly. Make me the loudest thing around. Yeah. <laughs> Cause me some pain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm going to go meet okay, Johnny. Yeah. So, okay, so yeah. thank you for being so generous with oh. your time, Tommy, and uh, I hope someday I get to play with you. You know, I, I always How about joke, today? I, okay, I always <laughs> joke that I'm the last guy on earth who hasn't played with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So thank you very much, and um, take your gifts and, you know, and litter them, you know, liberally.